3: On Monday, we celebrated Juneteenth, a day that marks the emancipation of African slaves in the U.S. It's been a federal holiday since 2021, and it's a time for all of us to celebrate the contributions of Black Americans. I'm Bianca Taylor, in for Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. Today, we're dedicating our whole show to stories of creative, powerful Black women in the Bay Area. To help us out, the Kitchen Sisters, Nikki Silva and Davia Nelson, bring us an excerpt of their hour-long special, Houseful of Black Women. Picture this, a
0: house, a big fixer-upper, crazy-ass house on Orange Street in Oakland, California. The Orange House on Orange Street. For some eight years now, 34 Black women have gathered there monthly around a big dining room table, meeting, cooking dancing, strategizing, grappling with the issues of eviction, gentrification, well-being, and sex trafficking that are overwhelming their community. Across these years together, they have created a series of performances and activations, street processions, street interventions, all-night song circles, parking lot ceremonies, rituals of resting and dreaming. Welcome to House Full of Black Women.
1: happen on 17th Street, this short block, Franklin and Webster.
0: Fall 2015, Oakland, California.
1: In this small storefront, Regina's door that has vintage clothing in it, there's a majestic oak in front of Regina's door that Regina named Elsa and would dress this oak tree with with ribbons and fabric. She uses her store as a place survivors of sex trafficking can come to be surrounded with beauty and safety.
0: Episode one, we are here to stay.
1: Amara is there in this antique white Dress, veiled with lace, jumping up and down as Tossie Long is singing, singing so loudly. Amara has an incredible straw broom and she's sweeping the streets. Magically, the cars just stop and wait. People knew this shouldn't be interfered
0: with. Regina's Door.
4: My name is Regina Evans. I built out a vintage store because I had a vintage store in Australia. I was like, well, I know how to do that. I didn't have enough money to buy racks, all the basic stuff. So I put everything on the wall. It was beautiful. I used that store to support young survivors of trafficking. Then I was also going out on the track and building altars. The Track the Blade, it's an area in um, usually an urban city where girls and boys are being trafficked, sold into rape. In Oakland, it is International Boulevard. Oakland is the West Coast hub for sex trafficking in the United
5: States, and 70% of those who are being trafficked are from Oakland
4: or in surrounding areas. I was building altars on the corners because that was the thing I could do so that I wouldn't get the girls in trouble because the tents would be right there. And I would talk to them. Listen, I don't want to get you in trouble and I'm just like looking like a crazy person talking to the altar. And then I would tell them quickly, here's where I am, blah, blah, blah. Look for the decorated tree, Majestic Elsa. And the community thought it was me beautifying it, but it was a marker for the girls. It was a hideout for girls. 2015, Ellen came to Regina's store. They wanted to do some work with trafficking, so I was like, cool, let's let's go. I had no idea what was going on. Somebody's singing, somebody's jumping. Everybody's like really beautiful and nicely dressed.
6: My name is Robbie Sweeney. I am an Irish-born photographer living in San Francisco. I've long been a fan of uh, Amara Tabor-Smith and we have been working together for about 10 years now. In 2015, I was graciously invited into uh, Regina's store to work on the House of Black Women project. Beautiful costumes, dressing each other, singing and laughing, so much emotion. And then we went out into the streets and just everything fell into place. It was not a performance, it was real, it was a ritual communing with the beyond, with the past and the present and the future. At a
5: time of rampant displacement of black and brown folks in Oakland, it was really our first ritual to put our stakes in the ground and say, we're not leaving. We're not leaving.
0: My name is Atal Mctiari. I am meeting with Amara Tabor Smith of House Full of Black Women.
5: My name is Amara Tabor Smith, dance performance maker, conjure artist. I've been living in Oakland for what, twenty years? Wow, I love your usage of the word conjure. At the time, it wasn't
1: popular to talk about ritual in the art
5: making process.
1: I am Ellen Sebastian Chang, theater director, co-collaborator on House Full of Black Women. Amar comes back to the Bay Area in the early 90s. She and I run in together and started doing projects about foodways and storytelling. In 2013,
5: I was asked to make a site-specific dance work. And I came to Dancers Group and I saw a picture on the wall of Ed Mock, my teacher. Ed Mock was like my father. I feel like he raised me. I danced with him from the time I was 13 till he died when I was 21 from complications of AIDS. I was with him when he passed. I see this picture of Ed and suddenly it was like doors opened. Oh, this is the piece.
1: He moved swiftly. Amar called it a walking seance. Eight hour dance ritual for three days as a tribute to Ed Monk, to bring back the city that is no more. I remember Amar going, to talk to the people with some tech startup company where Ed Edmux had a studio. And they were like, what, who? Oh, there was this black, queer dancer here. What's this have to do with my life? And I remember how hurt she was. And I said, you know, what's really sad is when you lose your grandmother's house. And I said, but what's worse is when the people that move into your grandmother's house, they don't even care that she lived there. It's this process of, like, forgetting. Gentrification and capitalism and racism is a killing machine because it kills our memories.
5: That piece happened in various sites throughout San Francisco, all connected by Ed. This one section happened in a piano tuning shop called Room Full of Black Men and was meant to highlight the absence of black men in San Francisco by overwhelming the audience with their presence. Agolona God's gonna trouble the
1: world. Amara said, you know I did a room full of black men. She goes, but I have this calling to do something that's really focused on black women.
5: But it can't be a room full of black women. It's gotta be a house. A house
1: of black women. That's powerful and it's scary. She told me the idea. I wanna bring these women to the table and some of these women I only knew of them and they were really scary to me because I was like, oh damn, I don't know if I belong here because I have a white mother. So I don't know if I'm supposed to be at this table because these are black women. And I always think of my black grandmother and I go, black women? That's the reckoning. Black women built this country. Black women's bodies. We were the first factories. We were the birthing machines. And what were they producing? The labor for the beginning of America.
0: I'm Sital Mukhtari, one of the youngest members of Houseful of Black Women. I was raised in Northern Nigeria and made my way to the Bay Area in 2008. I was invited to join Houseful in 2016 as they began their second year around the table at Chateau L'Orange, the orange house on Orange Street.
7: Chateau L'Orange, I inherited the house from my mom.
0: My mom, later in her life,
7: wanted to own a home. She got some grant for ladies over 60 buying their first home. A good friend of my mom's paid the down payment. She just believed in my mom so much and was like, you should have a house. My name is Rami Margron, mixed race, genderqueer, actor, dancer, bird lover from Oakland, California. It was a big fixer-upper, a boarding house. My mom put friends renting in all those units. She always created community. And after she passed away, I continued that legacy. The common space, the living room and dining room are these large rooms, a large table, where houseful of black women gathered.
0: The table, the table, the table. My first time at the table, there were definitely nerves. Oh, wow, what is this? You know? I was like, okay, there's definitely elders. I saw Ellen, I saw Amara. Growing up in Nigeria, there's always like, like if you go to a gathering, the elders are in a different room, the young ones are the young ones. Going into house full, it was that permission to like engage. We always had like food to eat, potluck style. We eat, we see what we're going through. Oh, we're gonna do maybe. Three processions.
1: Episodes. That double entendre of 19th century Freudian, white supremacist attitude that, oh, women, women have episodes. They're so emotional and they're they're hysterical and they're having episodes.
6: One episode that sticks out in my mind, Friday night in Oakland, one of the art walk nights, Everyone was out on the street having fun and restaurants were popping. There was just this Friday night buzz about the place. And I remember thinking, I wonder how Houseful will kind of vibe with with this buzz. The two worlds are quite different and maybe not in a complimentary kind of way. I just needn't have worried. It was actually a perfect intersection of joy and revelry with respect and curiosity and a mingling of communities.
1: With all the processions of full, they just happened. There was no, let's go to the city and get a permit. This is an occurrence. Just like we feel that in the natural world, so many people who are living on the streets were so drawn, so drawn to the processions. Felt it almost like a
0: blessing. My name is Banat Mukhtari. I'm meeting with Yvette of houseful house full of black women in San Francisco, in her neighborhood where she grew up. Hi, honey. I'm getting ready to go meet her in her car. Can I come in? Because it's really cold out here. Mm-hmm.
8: I just had this image of all of these faces, all my neighbors, all the, all the kids that are in the middle of the street. It's almost like this Norman Rockwell painting this picture. in. In front of this house in this moment right now, the rice being cooked and smelled throughout the neighborhood, this is home. It will always be home. Even though someone lives there, this is still home. My name is Yvette Phillips-Odama. Back in the day, Baby Hunters Point was the largest population of black homeowners who migrated from the south, and bought their homes here. It was a time of black joy. Black people were thriving and happy. In hindsight, I know that the racism that they experienced, like the world wasn't kind to black people, but we were kids. I didn't know what racism was because my whole world was black the doctor down the street, the five and 10 store down the street, they were all black. My mother was a postal worker and then my father was a butcher, worked in the slaughterhouses. That was down the street. They used to walk the cows and the bulls coming down on Third Street from the cow palace down to the slaughterhouse. And when my father died and we cleaned out the house, we were like, I want one of the knives my father kept his knives, like, sharp. We knew that my father was about to go out to the club. He would put on Wilson Pickett, he would put the magic shave on, he would put his foot on the toilet, and then he would shave with a knife, his knives. Wow. Yeah, that was badass, my father was badass my father worked in the slaughterhouse until NAFTA came. They opened it up to uh, Mexico to import meat in, took away jobs from here. So my father had to move to Stockton in order for him to keep his job.
0: So do you want to talk a little bit more about the shift from black home ownership to now?
8: Yeah, the naval shipyards closed down, manufacturing moved out of the country, the Stockton and Modesto and yeah and then crack cocaine came the shift of wealth started happening busing was another thing that happened I was also very pro-black my fifth grade teacher Gertrude Mays she was the one who gave me information on Angela Davis George Jackson Jonathan Jackson Bobby sale all the Black Panthers she was like really the person that shaped me around my blackness. She was chocolate, 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 and used to wear red lipstick and a short natural. She was gorgeous. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Episode
0: six: The Meaning of Canaries.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: The canary is the harbinger or warning for what's to come. This episode focused on displacement. How we survive and how we move.
1: Black women, highest eviction rates, highest birth mortality, you know, dying in childbirth, highest rates of undiagnosed breast cancer, diabetes, all these things, and so you go, in a toxic capitalist world, are black women the canaries? Miners actually paid attention to the canaries and said, oh, Canary's dead. We need to get out of here. What possibly could displacement feel like? We set up chairs in like a crazy maze, and some chairs just faced a wall, and you don't know what direction to go in. Bit by bit, performers would take groups of 10 people and have them leave the room. Where did everybody go?
0: I'm Frances Phillips, retired director of the Creative Work Fund. The audience went around the back of the East Side Arts Alliance and down the alley. Several performers were washing white garments, twisting them, lifting them heavy with the water. There were contrasts and opposites. The lightness of the color white against a dark night safety in an alley versus crime in an alley, creating a space that was about healing.
1: Amara is there, Ah! chopping watermelon. Mm -hmm. This watermelon becomes a sacred fruit.
8: Oakland Housing (laughs) Authority.
1: Regina Evans was reading from city documents all the names of people who were recently evicted. Inflections after infections after
4: infections. Leroy Johnson, ha! Dark Family, ha! Urban Green. Mm.
1: Zakia oh, Harris family. is dressed as a kind of a nightclub chanteuse, and she has on yellow ostrich feathers. Her head is inside of a bird cage. She's doing this pitter patter of like, "Where are you from? Where were you born?" Oh, you're from Oakland? Well, tell me what you remember. The audience just started yelling nightclubs, grocery stores that are not around anymore. Oh, yeah, I used to live in Oakland. Now I live in Antioch. But I'm driving into Oakland to still participate in the culture, the black culture that we're trying to hold on to.
3: See y'all
2: from here. Born in West Oakland, third generation on my mama's side, fourth generation on my daddy's side. My baby boy was born in West Oakland.
0: Erica Wilson.
2: I never thought I would leave, but I can't be here no more. $3,600 for a one bedroom apartment, are you kidding me? And I have to worry that one day my white neighbors might see my son as a threat in the neighborhood that my ancestors tended? Nah, Oakland. Mm-hmm. Nah. I got to go.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: And then the pandemic. The uprising of grief and rage that we were experiencing across the country, and we gathered 60 black women, six feet apart, with our masks. The murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, the loss of one of our household members, Monica Hastings Smith. We were all suffering huge loss.
8: The bottle tree. I come here to touch base with the tree at least about every other week, I come and straighten out all the mariwo skirts, and just come to say hello and and talk to the tree. This tree was baptized on our October episode 14. A few of us came out here, pulled out the ladder, had water and fabric, hung bottles and crystals and lights. Bottle trees,
1: spirit trees, ancestor containers, Uh, When we did the new Chitlin circuitry, episode 14, Reparations Vaudeville, out at the Black Liberation Zone, there was a tree so dry and, and neglected. The idea was to bring water to this tree, put a skirt on this tree to sanctify and bless this new Black cultural zone.
8: People came by and we in the Lukumi tradition call Eshus, and they would say, you know, what are you guys doing? And we would explain to them what the bottle tree is. I've had people in the Orisha community who have said, I've seen that bottle tree over there. Can I come and bring something to the tree? Can I come and pray at this tree? And I was like, yeah, this tree is for you the treat fortified, reinforced, the ways that we as black people gather.
0: Episode 9, Black Women Dreaming, a ritual of rest.
1: Black people sleep the least in America. We brought in a Stanford sleep hygienist. She gave this incredible talk what that sleep deficit would do, bringing on onset diabetes, sleep apnea, obesity, hypertension, so many illnesses. Harriet Tubman became our patron saint of the ritual of rest.
5: She had narcolepsy. She was hit with a brick as a child protecting someone from being whipped. She ended up in a coma, and when she came out of it, she would have these unexplained periods where she would fall asleep.
1: People would just sit and wait for her to come out of this sleep. She would have these visions of, okay, this is the direction we're going, this is what we're doing.
5: She rested her way to freedom and lost not one person.
2: My name is... Tracy Bartlow, the owner of B-Love's Guesthouse in West Oakland, California. When Amara and Ellen reached out to me to use B-Love's Guesthouse for the Black Women Dreaming episode, I replied with a resounding, yes! (laughs) And for seven days and seven nights, Black women signed up to rest.
1: People didn't know where they were going. They'd call and be given instructions. You're going to go down this street, that street, and you'll see the veve, the house full of black women symbol on the sidewalks and signs that will direct you which door
2: to knock on. A steady stream of women arriving, <laughs> some with their favorite pillow. There would be a blessing of the pillows there were attendants that would receive you. When it was my time to rest, I, like many women, wept. There was this exhaustion and I was like, oh my God, where is all of this coming from? This has been present all along, but it has been stuffed down. Just keep going. You're tired, just keep going. And I cried. A ugly cry. Go to sleep and don't you cry. Mother gonna give it some apple pie. Then I fell asleep and then the attendant woke me up. And she's like, here's the food you requested. And I ate those beans in silence and drank that tea and ate that pound cake. And I was comforted.
0: How can we dream if we don't sleep? How can we dream if we don't sleep? Eleanor Roosevelt, the first chair of the Commission on Human Rights, said, Where, after all, do human rights begin? In small places, close to home. This Houseful of Black Women special was inspired by the Houseful of Black Women project. Conceived and choreographed by Amara Tabor Smith and co directed with Ellen Sebastian Chang, and an evolving collective of black women artists.
3: This story was produced by the Kitchen Sisters, Davia Nelson and Nikki Silva, Ellen Sebastian Chang and Satal Mukhtari in collaboration with Brandy Howell and Nathan Dalton, mixed by Jim McKee, with funding from the Creative Work Fund, the National Endowment for the Arts, and PRX. You can hear the full version of Houseful of Black Women and more stories on the Kitchen Sisters Present podcast. And that's it for the California Report magazine this week. We're a production of KQED in San Francisco. Trina Schwartz is our interim senior editor. Susie Racho is our producer director. Brendan Willard is our engineer, and Jessica Carissa is our intern. I'm Bianca Taylor, in for Sasha Coca. This is the California Report Magazine: Your State, Your Stories. Hi there. I'm Randa Difdat from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained.